From Los Angeles, California, it's Feliz Navipod with special guest Joseph Scrimshaw. And now, here's Tony Thaxton. Christmas only comes around once a year. Hello, ho, ho, and welcome to Felice Navi Pod. My name is Tony Thaxton. With me, as always, is Rigby. That bark never changes. You know what else never changes? Pretty much the top of the show, more or less. It's basically the same every week. Uh, but let's do something about it. Hit it! Oh, shit! <laughs> Let me get the door. Hey, Joseph Hello. Scrimshaw. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Come on in. Oh, thank you. Thank what you. Are you uh, what are you doing over here? You get lost on your way to Flappers? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I don't want to go to Flappers on Christmas. <laughs> I would imagine that would be extra depressing. <laughs> that would be very depressing. <laughs> What uh are are you actually going to Flappers? Is I am there? actually going uh, to Flappers. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. To see I wonder. Some, I did see is some there friends any... do a show. Oh, you're not on a show. You're going No, to I'm going to go see some friends do a show. Yes. Gotcha. Who? Mask. Uh many people. Uh a pal from uh the Midwest uh is doing some sort of a CD recording show, so she has a bunch of other Midwestern types uh like Jackie Cation and Derek nice. Hughes and a bunch of other cool people. Very nice. Uh, yes, because you're from. Are you from Minneapolis? I'm from Minneapolis. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because we we talked about it briefly. Yes, a city that you know something of. <laughs> yes. Spent like as as I said, never an official resident, but spent lots of time there. Too much time, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I've, <laughs> I, uh, I I may have said this before because I feel like I always do. Everybody talks about those brutal winners. Yeah. Which I'm not. I'm one of them. Like I I hate it. Yeah. But nobody talks about those brutal summers. No, in uh, the summers can be quite, quite brutal. It's just mm-hmm. that in comparison to the winter, it seems like a better kind of hell. <laughs> really? You think so? I'm yes. very torn on that. I can go back and forth. I, it, I think for the people who live there, it absolutely is. Because the snow, the combination of the snow and the horrible cold actually impedes your ability to do things true so unless you actually are in a physical condition where the horrible humidity and the millions of mosquitoes will actually murder you (laughs) you will go outside and you will do things like fucking crazy for three months because then you're mostly gonna hide in your house yeah and and you have automatically one less step there's not going to be any shoveling or or scraping of your windows the humidity is not so thick that you literally have to scrape it off your car (laughs) right no, but I, I think I have. I've definitely felt the coldest day I've ever felt. In oh Minneapolis. yeah, yeah. And I, I probably not temperature wise, but humidity wise, I feel like I've probably felt yes. some of the warmest days I've ever felt. Yeah, yeah. No, you. Sometimes when you're walking up a hill, it really does feel like you are actually swimming. Mm-hmm. Like you would move faster if you did a breaststroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Midwest summers are uh, real brutal. 
Yeah. Real brutal. Yeah. So when people ask me uh, what I like about L.A., one of the first things is, well, it's it's not Minnesota <laughs> weather-wise. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons I came here. Yeah. was just – I would just kind of was over weather in general. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's generally going to be the same every day here. Yes. And a pretty good the same. Mm-hmm. And you're still – how long have you been here? I have been here just five months. Okay. So, yeah. So you – you uh well it's not it's hot right now but uh you you probably uh it'll it'll take some time because i i finally in like the last year or two turned that corner of uh getting la chili okay yes you know what i mean where because i for years made fun of everybody you know it's a it's 65 degrees yeah and, and everybody's like, oh it's cold tonight and i just you just laugh at them but you'll get there <laughs> yeah you'll no, become one of them i have i have some sweaters and some hoodies i'm <laughs> itching to bust out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get i get cold very very easily and i have been just trained uh like i've been in a cult in minnesota that just <laughs> being cold is weakness because you know you're you're conditioned that it's not that cold it's just that you need to toughen up and like now that I'm here in LA, like nope, I get cold easily, <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna bundle up no, when it's 65 it's... and fuck you all. <laughs> how did you survive in Minneapolis for however many years? It is a really, really awesome city, and it. I, no, I agree. I, there's there's uh, a lot of great stuff there. But also with the with the weather in particular, it is. I I wrote a, a piece about snow uh, that's on my blog that describes it as it's like an abusive dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm. Of winter comes along and does all of these horrible demanding things to you <laughs> and you think like I'm so done and then the summer comes around and in comparison it is really nice that you know there's the beautiful lakes there are yeah. all the festivals that are all packed into this so there's this really unique sort of energy in the city that these three months are just like this explosion of we're going to do everything together it's going to be shorts and beer all the time oh my god <laughs> right. because we're just going to hide from one another and be inside ourselves you know mm-hmm so I, I, I feel like I was in, weather-wise, an abusive relationship with Minneapolis that I finally broke the cycle. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, we uh, the last record that I recorded, uh, we recorded it in Minneapolis in the wintertime. And yeah. that's just, I, weirdly, it's, it's my favorite record that we ever did. But at the time, I was like, this is like the most uninspiring thing to be in right now. Yeah, it was like we. I think we got there like right at the start of February, which is the worst time to yes, be. Yes, it is just stillness and death, white mm-hmm. death, as far as the eye can see. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I can't do the people that say they love gray days. I will, I will never understand that yeah i can understand it from the the perspective of like if if sun and brightness feels exciting like you should be always be going somewhere and doing something i understand like oh a gray day or a rainy day every once in a while feels like oh that's permission to be calm and like eat some soup and watch netflix for 84 hours (laughs) but you know when it's gray for two months yeah yeah it's pretty depressing yeah that's called the hotline (laughs) (laughs) uh so so you lived there until five months ago and you came out here, yeah. And uh, is it was you come out here because of the comedy scene? Yeah, and everything? yeah, yeah. Is that what so brought you yeah, out here? doing doing stand up and writing and, and mm-hmm. other comedy stuff. I had started to tour a lot more in yeah. uh, outside of Minneapolis and met a lot of cool people who lived here. So I felt like, oh, I have connections, and I am so so damn done with the winter that yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave. <laughs> Understood. You know, there's a lot. I was just thinking as you were saying that I've. I feel like a lot of people that have come and done this are people that have 
just moved here. Oh, on your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Getting a lot of those. I guess it's the only way I can get you before, <laughs> before, before you're sick of me. Before, before I blow up. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you've got some time. um but it has been you enjoying it so far oh yeah 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 i really uh things are 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 going well career-wise and and i really like the city like minneapolis is a really cool vibrant city but it is a mid-sized city and Mm -hmm. i've never i i I lived in london for like three months when my uh wife my now wife was going to school but Uh that's the only time i really spent in a in a really big city so it's just fun for me to be in a a really truly large city yeah um and i like i like entertainment i like the history of entertainment i like a lot of old hollywood and i live right by the hollywood walk of fame like within walking distance Uh and i know a lot of la people like oh god sorry you live by that fucking tourist (laughs) trap but for me it's like i get to walk down the street like hey sammy davis jr star awesome yeah (laughs) that'll that'll go away soon it will i literally tripped over the three stooges star the other day <laughs> and felt like what are you trying to tell me irony that i literally tripped on the three stooges um had a thought and it's gone <laughs> uh no i guess what i was gonna get at eventually was uh we met uh, about a month ago i guess yeah. at the live star wars minute show yeah and uh that was that was super fun even though uh you and Matt Belknap, in particular, really took down the Muppets that night. <laughs> I and... said, my, I, it was a discovery process for me. I said nastier things about that episode of the Muppets than I expected to. <laughs> I was shocked by all these comments. <laughs> and my friend that was there afterwards, he was like, I didn't know people didn't like the Muppet show. <laughs> I really do like the Muppet show. I have such fond memories of it. I think I was just sort of shocked into anger by the Muppet Star Wars mashup. Yeah. And all that could have been and all that wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like even as an adult, when I rewatched it and realized like how little actual Star Wars content was there, and that in between I needed to watch, I can't even remember, Scottish Fish thing, a song or something. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, I think we totally uh, glazed over that the fish segment. Yeah, that, that was during the show. Truly so had the nothing. most. Yeah. It really, it's like, it's barely either. It's not. I mean, it's it's that random like Muppet Show variety number, but there's no like major characters in it. Yeah, to me, yeah. I think is I haven't watched the Muppet Shows in a long time, and I think as an adult, it was the realization that there were things like the fish number, (laughs) where it was sort of this meta of the Muppet Show is about the Muppets trying to put on a variety show, and it's not very good, and they have to fill. And when I was watching that fish piece, it's like, oh. They're actually filling, like Jim Henson and company. <laughs> These gods, they're filling. We all have our filler moments. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I have had many years of my life <laughs> yep. that are filler. I'm currently in those, those years. <laughs> well, you're spending them well. I'm enjoying your filler years. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Somebody's got it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you obviously share a uh, strong love of Star Wars. As, yes, as I do. Yes. Are they really gonna talk about Star Wars again? It happens every time that Tony talks to his friends. I'd rather hear them talk about something else instead. I guess they're really gonna talk about Star Wars again. 
Star Wars. Is that so? How, may I ask how old you are? Uh, I I was alive when Star Wars came out. Okay. <laughs> I came along very. I came along in the next. The, yes, the year I after. was just barely alive when Star yeah. Wars came out. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I saw Empire in the theater. Okay. I yeah. If I did, I have no mem- no recollection of it. I don't know why I would have. Yeah. But yeah, Jedi is the one I remember seeing in the theater. Uh, you know, I can vaguely remember it and then remember excitedly going to kindergarten and talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of deep, deep childhood memories associated with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I have a lot of I have a lot of pedantic adult opinions about Star Wars, but a lot of it is just that it is it is tied to who I am. It's not like like Star Trek was a thing that I saw and I appreciate it and I have fond memories of it and things like that. But Star Wars is just came along in was it's a part of who I am. Yeah. Like do you do you recall it ever not being there? Yes. Really? Yes, because I remember watching like science fiction on television. Like I remember knowing that the Star Wars ships and the space battles looked like something that shouldn't be possible. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I remember that that amount of amazement. And some of it's probably filling in, you know, uh, more adult memories into childhood like we all do. But I that utter sense of amazement of this this can't be. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know what the hell I was watching, like maybe Twilight Zone or something. I don't know why I was watching Twilight Zone when I was <laughs> <laughs> barely out of diapers. Every but, toddler's favorite show. Yeah. I, so I don't even know what I was seeing, but I still remember ha- having that feeling of what I am seeing on screen shouldn't even be there. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, starting around Empire, I lived in, in Portland, Oregon when Empire came out. And then okay. it was just my entire life. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and, you know, that's part of the phenomenon of Star Wars is that for the first time, something like that could be your entire life because they're the action figures, they're the trading cards, they're the posters, they're the, you know, it could literally be everywhere you physically looked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I kind of forgot though how. Well, no, I think that I think it was uh, during the the Star Wars Minute show. Uh, how there was that uh, Nintendo commercial that played. Yeah, that was like it. Se- it came way too late, and then I think Matt was the one to kind of mention that was like a weird time where, even though it had been around for a long time, it's you know now we just see it everywhere. Yeah, and there was a moment when. Everyone knew what it was, but you you know you didn't go to Target and see Star Wars shirts. Yeah, no, see. I remember like the toys were even gone for a bit. Yes, I remember the toys receding in the deep mm-hmm. pain that that caused me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> by then, I was back in the in the Twin Cities area in Minnesota, and I you know I remember which like sad Walgreens in a strip mall in a sad <laughs> suburb still had like prune face and Lobot. <laughs> <laughs> and I would go and see if they ever got any new ones, and eventually even those disappeared. Like, I remember yeah. that painfully. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think as they started disappearing, I was, like, starting to get in some other, into some other things. I don't know if it was caused by they were disappearing or if yeah. some other things started to overshadow a little bit yeah. for me. That should have been a, a, I'm a very stubborn person, and that should have been one of the early signs. Like, I was very cognizant of, Around 12 or 13, one should stop playing with action figures. But I see no reason that has to be, and I'm going to fight that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I just segued into, like, buying, I, like, 
there's some really crappy superhero action figures around the, then. The, and the superpowers, the DC superpowers. Oh, the superpowers were good. Yeah, Those was, were good. I, fan, I think that's kind of what took over for me. Yeah, the, and, and there, He-Man was still around yeah, a little I bit was there. real iffy on He-Man. I was never super... I had like a handful yeah. of them, and I think it was more like trying to fit in almost because I had, you know, like other kids had it. And I was like, oh, so I, I need those. Yeah, I think He-Man, <laughs> He-Man was sort of this uh, this fling in between Empire and Jedi <laughs> for a lot of people my age. Until it was just a fling until you saw the movie a few years later, and then you were totally sold. Oh, yeah. No, then I was, I was yeah, deeply, deeply upset. <laughs> I forgot. I don't Actually, I don't even know that I ever saw that all the way through. Uh, it is but, really horrible. Yeah, I, watched I saw it, some of it uh, recently. I did a couple of years ago at a convention. Uh, my friend runs a film room and asked uh, me and another friend to riff a movie. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do the Masters of the Universe movie from 87, yeah. and we watched it extensively and did an actual scripted like movie thing uh Uh like riff tracks uh and yeah it was it's truly truly painful and awful yeah because i did not have any memory of the whole like real world plague into it with courtney cox right courtney cox yeah (laughs) yeah and then and a guy who was on voyager on star trek voyager is her boyfriend yeah in some utterly made-up character named gwildor Gwildor? Oh, Gwildor. <laughs> he's sort of like cranky asshole Orko. Uh-huh. Like he's just as like nobody cares about him, but there's a lot of him, just like Orko in the cartoon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that at all. I see what what was the other the one from the cartoon? See, that's Orko. How, okay, uh, was he like the kind of like he, ghost almost? Yeah, like, he was like a little red floating dude. nightshirt with yeah, an O yeah, right. on his shirt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And he was not, you know, when you bought the action figures, you'd get these little comic books that were kind of, uh, oh, they were yeah. much, they were much more violent, and they were mm-hmm. much darker. Uh, so there, there was sort of the comic book world that you got with the action figures, and then there was the the really uh, PG or rather G uh, cartoon where He Man would just defeat people by throwing them into puddles and whatnot because he couldn't punch people. And then the movie yeah. came along, and it was neither of those things, and it was worse than both of them. <laughs> Here comes a song out of nowhere. It's got nothing to do with what's going on. There ain't no problem here. We just needed another song. Here comes a song out of nowhere. It's got nothing to do with what's going on. There ain't no problem here. We just needed another song. Yeah, I try, uh... I think they stopped doing it but uh for a few years when uh christmas would roll around yes. they would they would have a special category of of even like not just christmas movies but like christmas episodes of of certain series right and i they had a masters of the universe <laughs> christmas episode yes and i tried to watch it and i i think i sat through about five minutes and i had to turn it off yeah i haven't watched any he-man in a long time i was just at dragon con and i there was this uh big quiz show bit where hal lublin and i read a couple of uh of these little scripted sketches between two geek characters characters from the geek canon mm-hmm. and hal suggested that we do one that involved uh battle cat from he-man and i can uh, even really remember if battle cat spoke yeah. Uh, so I watched the episode about Battle Cat's origins, and it was truly, truly painful. <laughs> it was slow and painful, and yeah. Was it on par with the fish number? 
Uh, it was a little bit better because it's also like the fish. The fish were just better pleasant. Than the fish it was be- it was better than the fish because the fish were just pleasant. It was just a pleasant old time vaudeville <laughs> song and dance, soft shoe underwater, pretty much. <laughs> but but He Man is even even the worst episode of He Man is fascinating in its sort of grotesquery. Right. Of how does it exist? Why does it exist? Yeah, I have very little knowledge. Like if you wanted. If you gave me a hundred dollars and said, "Tell me what He Man is about," yeah, I, I don't think I could do it. Well, He Man experts couldn't and wouldn't <laughs> want to tell you what it's about. It is entirely a product of of engineering, of Mattel quizzing mm-hmm. kids and test audiences about what they want. And for some reason, kids wanted basically Rocky from <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> but with the sword. <laughs> Was that like? Did it start like right around the time Conan came out? I think it was originally going to be like some kind of like Conan knockoff, where they had like a lot of templates of like, we know we're just going to start this. We like we saw the Star Wars machine, and Mm -hmm. we're going to do that from the ground up. Uh, And I think they went with a sort of Conan like thing, yeah, because that's what for some reason (laughs) kids of the eighties wanted. We want a violent, half-naked man who fights a skeleton. <laughs> and, like, hits a camel on the head, right? Because I literally... <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I was just watching... It was, like, AMC or something was, like, showing, like, movies they're showing this month. And okay. Quick little clips. And I've, I've actually never seen Conan. Okay. And I swear there was a part... And Arnold just, like, oh, hits a camel on top of the head. <laughs> I would believe it. I haven't seen... if I think... I don't. I haven't seen Conan in years, and I probably only saw parts of it. My movie education was a mess. I didn't have HBO, and uh. Uh, so yeah, so those were dark, dark days, <laughs> full of He Man at two thirty. <laughs> um, you mentioned Dragon Con. Yes, I wanted to. I don't. Uh, I was going two things with that. One, I've heard of it. <laughs> I don't really know what it is though. <laughs> So enlighten me. Uh, Dragon Con is a really, really big uh, general science fiction convention. So it's about 60,000 people. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. It's spread over five hotels. Um, and it's it, there's a huge amount of cosplay. The actual convention itself is in multiple hotels? Yes. Okay. Spread out over five hotels and I think one other off-site thing. Um, it, there's a real, real big party element to it so it goes on yeah. late late at night a uh, lot of lot a lot of costumes a lot of bizarre cosplay there is a hello kitty stormtrooper this year that everybody liked to take pictures of uh-huh. uh so it's it, it is kind of like being on the show floor of comic-con of san mm-hmm. diego comic-con but spread out over like five city blocks right like it is really hard to get through the crowds really uh yeah so so you you have to be up for like wow, it could take me five minutes to get 20 feet mm-hmm. in the right kind of traffic jam, and I've got some sort of anime death angel's <laughs> wings in my face <laughs> and some half-naked guy dressed as Zardoz. I don't... I, I'm, not, I'm not making fun, <laughs> but I, I don't understand. Again, and let me sidebar myself, as, as you could tell from the, around this room, I like a lot of nerdy things. Yes. Uh, there are but many I, I action am, figures. I am very selective with my nerdiness, though. Like yes. I, I, there's a lot of things that nerds love that I just can't get into. Uh, 
one of those being I just I don't understand the cosplay thing. I really love watching it. I wouldn't yeah, want to oh, do I'm it myself. Fine, like, I'll do it, but yeah, yeah it's just, it looks so many of the things look so uncomfortable. And just think about walking around a convention all day wearing that. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's the joke that nerds smell and they don't take enough showers and all that. But like at Dragon Con this year, it was very clearly not that because it it's incredibly diverse. It's not just you know huge you know traditional geeks like you know it's not sixty year olds with neck beards. <laughs> uh, it is. It was really cool to look around and see like every demographic type of human being, race, age, gender, orientation, whatever. But the smell seemed worse this year because of the cosplay because of the amount of exposed uh-huh. flesh and the amount of like leather and lycra and various materials that trap <laughs> the smell well it's probably really hot down there yeah right now too. and it's really really hot and i almost tweeted and i stopped myself because i thought it was true cruel that there are sixty thousand people at dragon con but it smells like twice that <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, but the but I really do like the convention because it is a, a real party atmosphere, and it, it it really has a successful sort of celebrating anything you like vibe. Yeah, that's cool. And you did you actually hang out with Terry Gilliam? I saw yes. your picture the other yes. day. Yes, uh, so I was a guest at the convention, so I did uh, some shows, and uh, my friend who brings me in, Ken Plume, uh, he usually brings in a bunch of uh, a bunch of other people, and one of them that he brought in this year was Terry Gilliam. Uh, and it, yeah, it was really cool. So he, Terry Gilliam was only there for like a day and a half and he ended up doing a part of the bit that I was describing earlier with, with Hal Lublin. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he was, he was going to do, he wanted to do something small for, uh, this quiz, this big quiz show. Okay. Um, so we were do, playing this game where we read little scripts and then had the, the panelists guess who the characters were. So we had some ones that were actually hard and we had some ones that were like stupid easy uh, in one of the ones that we had that was stupid easy was it was uh, Morgan Freeman describing, narrating somebody's life, and then the character was Hodor from Game of Thrones. Okay. Because Terry Gilliam was like, sure, I'll do it, but really I, need, I, I would like something straightforward. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, so I gave him the script where all he had to do was say Hodor, and he absolutely destroyed it. Nice. It was amazing and hilarious. And, I, you know, I, so I, I ran through it with him backstage and... Uh, and we chatted about what television he was familiar with because he hadn't watched Game of Thrones yet and was concerned that he knew what he needed to know uh-huh. <laughs> for the role. And then we chatted about Breaking Bad. And yeah, and uh, he was he was really concerned that, in specific, that he wanted a margarita for that bit. So yes, he was very scientifically uh, measuring out <laughs> <laughs> the ingredients for the margarita. And the secret seemed to be to have the exact same amount of tequila as mixer. I think there was more to it than that, but just visually, right. that appeared to be what was happening. <laughs> but he was, I, I've been lucky to meet a lot of super famous people, mm-hmm. um, mostly through conventions, and, and yeah. uh, you know, I've done a lot of work with the Riff Tracks guys, Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy, and uh, been on the Jonathan Colton crews and that, uh, and he was like one of the most just friendly and down to earth, and really, really nice and clear and uh yeah yeah really friendly and interested in chatting with other people nice yeah that's, that's always wonderful to hear yeah and it, so he came literally just for that uh he did two other panels and then he did an hour of signing and autographs okay gotcha who speaking of any uh who's the uh 
you know, there's always the the autographs there, and there's there's always the mix of uh, who is that? And a lot of people, and then you yes. like see who it is, and you're like, I still don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, and and there's the ones that you you giggle a little bit when you see it. And what's what was what was the best one there? You think of the signatures? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, I didn't I didn't go through the Walk of Fame. So they have a okay. separate walk of fame where okay. all of the... So you didn't even stroll past it at all? No, because it's so much work. Okay. It is so much work to get in there. Uh, and it's... I think it's usually separated by kind of uh, if you've been in film or if you've been on television. Uh, I went through there last year. I was meeting some friends, uh, and I went through there on Monday. So Dragon Con goes uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then... Like all conventions, it continues into Monday, but half of the convention leaves right away yeah. on Monday. So this was at about like 2 p.m. on Monday when the convention was all but dead. So there wasn't anyone in Walk of Fame. It was just walking by like probably a 100 very famous people just sitting there looking bored. <laughs> and it was surreal. <laughs> so like I walked by and like Malcolm McDowell is just sitting there looking just annoyed as shit <laughs> that he's sitting at a table. <laughs> Yeah, I. How do you think the? I can't. I'm sure it's a mix, but I always just like are you, are those people? I mean, it's kind of surprising he was there unless he was doing something else. But I just can't decide if those people are are, or have they just accepted like yes, this is what I do now, and I and I actually make some money. Doing they make this. serious money yeah. at Dragon Con. But uh, are they are they bummed about it deep down, or are no. they just like I'm cool with this? People are. I think different different people feel you know differently about it i think for some people they've accepted like this is a part of my career and this is what i do um last year when i got picked up from the airport i got picked up with uh lou frigno and uh lou frigno uh the guy who played the incredible hulk back in the day (laughs) turned to me and said where will you be sitting this weekend (laughs) at first i was like why is the hulk asking me where i plan to sit like what does that mean even like oh that's what this whole convention is to him. He, you know, it didn't even cross his mind that, oh, like, oh, I'll be performing in different rooms throughout right. the weekend. To him, this is just what he does. He goes to conventions and he sits one place and then people pray by and give him money. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Lou is pretty well known as, like, he does not, like, you can't take a photo with him from far away. He will see you and say, right. $20, motherfucker. I mean, he won't actually say that. <laughs> His subtext will say that. <laughs> right. uh, I remember when uh went to Comic-Con, like, 2011 or something like that. Uh, walking around, and uh, I just, you know, when you see those tables, like, I, I generally, I don't care, but I'm always curious, like, oh. Yeah. And, you know, one catches my eye out of the, out of the corner of my eye. And I, so I kind of turned to to look and and read what the sign says, and the guy is also sitting there, and like as I'm reading the sign, he just immediately notices that I look in his direction. And he's like, "Hi, I'm," and just I forget what his name was, <laughs> uh, and he's I played George McFly in Back to the Future two and three, so he's the guy <laughs> that they subbed in those Crispin Glover scenes, and uh, wow, he was just he could not wait to try and lure me over there. Yeah. just like put the hard sell on without even me making eye contact. I was yeah. just looking in the direction. It's really weird. I've uh I've been to conventions where I've had a uh, merch table and uh I I am not a famous person, but I have uh, a fan base who is excited when I say I'm going to be at yeah. a place. But there's also plenty of people who are just like, "Oh, that's some comedian guy. I don't know him." Yeah. 
so it's really weird when you're sitting there at your like merch table trying to be exude an energy that I am an open and friendly to talk to if you happen to be a fan who's going to be weird about talking to me. But I'm also trying to look as though I have no expectation that you should know who I am or want something from me. That's like a really weird energy to try to put out. Uh-huh. And that's the energy you need to make everybody walking by happy. Yeah. Because, again, I'm not a famous person, but I have still had people say, like, I you, you tweet, know, like, some people he's, know he didn't are. seem very warm. And so then, right. like, okay, well, I want to seem warm if people <laughs> want to talk to me. But then I, I don't want to be like second George McFly. Yes, exactly. Like, you made eye contact. Here's my bio. <laughs> like that's yeah, yeah. No, it's tricky. I once got in an argument with a girl at well, argument's a strong word, but uh, basically an argument with a girl on the Warp tour in like the early kind of, kind of the earlier days of touring. Yeah, and because uh, the girl was like looking at our merch and she's like. I love these guys, and I, I was, I was like our, our merch, our normal merch girl had gone to lunch, so I was like filling in for her for a little bit. Okay, and so this girl's like, oh, I love this, these guys, and I just went and said thanks, <laughs> and she like immediately shoots a look at me. She's like, "You're not in the band." Wow. <laughs> I was like, actually, yeah, I, I, I am, and we, we. <laughs> I can't remember details beyond that, but we went back and forth for quite a bit before she finally believed that. I Did she was... quiz you? <laughs> I think like she was definitely like kind of like trying to prod me a bit and like a, something I could say to, you know, convince her because this was long enough ago that you know she didn't have her little handy computer in her pocket to, to quickly just... look up your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did she ask you to do some air drumming and see if it matched? <laughs> the track. <laughs> that would be amazing. She pulled out her disc man at that point. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was uh that was a that was a fun one. Yeah. That's the one that I always that always is fresh in my mind of those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, um also my one other convention thing <laughs> this was uh def- a one and only time uh I forget what the name of it was, but there was some sort of comic uh, convention in Florida that we played in, like, again, 2010 or 2011, okay. something like that. I can't remember the name of it, but so it was, like, you know, your typical convention, toys and comics everywhere, and then they had these, like, ballrooms off to the side, and we were going to be playing it at night. Uh, and at the other end of the room... There was a wrestling ring, and as soon as we finished playing, wrestling started. And at one point, it was uh, the Super Mario Brothers versus Waluigi and Mario. Wow. Uh, and were they actually? No, they were just shitty-looking costumes. Like okay, they were yeah. And they, but were they physically wrestling or were they? Oh yeah, they were playing? actually wrestling. Wow, wow. Do you know about boffing? Uh, <laughs> it's a scary it's... thing to add. just ask someone in their own home. Go on. Uh, I was in a convention uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there, I I was doing the halftime show. So they have like a masquerade, and then the judges go away, and then there's entertainment. Mm. Uh, so I was I was talking to the audience, uh, crowd work, if you will, uh, and there was just a guy who just had a giant foam sword. So I was like, I like your costume. You're just normal guy with a massive foam sword and he's like well i'm going to try boffing <laughs> so i had this whole conversation with him about a, i i thought it was like an actual competition where like you have these foam swords so you can fight without injuring one another but he was trying to tell me that 
you can just whack other people. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, yes. Yeah, so he was saying like, "Well, I'm, I'm gonna hit my friend tomorrow." <laughs> like good. that's it. Well, and, and then he admitted to being a boffing virgin. <laughs> so, I thought maybe I knew. Uh, yeah, I did. I had yeah. no idea. I could have looked. This was weeks ago. I could have looked up boffing. I thought you were going to say I could have made this up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't want to know the boffing truth at this point. <laughs> I like the boffing mystery better, and I'd like to imagine that there is a subset of geek culture where friends just get large foam <laughs> weapons and take turns whacking each other. And there's no attempt to defend yourself from it. I like that there's even a term for that. Like, isn't that just hanging out for yeah. some people? <laughs> like... That would have been called the playground years ago. Right. No, it's a subset of geek culture. <laughs> well, I've learned something tonight. And I thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, let's talk some Christmas. All right. All right. Go. Christmas. <laughs> um one of the holidays. Yes. One of several. <laughs> My personal favorite. Uh how what are, are you are you a Christmas guy? Uh, That's such a dumb question. No, no, I, but it is totally, totally reasonable. Yeah. I'm gonna start all conversations with that now. Uh <laughs> That's no. how you meet people. Hi, I'm Joseph. Are you a Christmas are guy? Are you a Christmas guy? This'll <laughs> be <laughs> <laughs> my lead into boffing. Just gonna check this out. Uh no, I have uh I have recently returned to the embrace of Christmas. Okay. <laughs> uh so I I loved Christmas when I was a kid and then it I got more and more jaded about it uh as an adult. Yeah. Uh particularly after I got married because to me Christmas the beautiful thing about it not just the presents but just like it was the time where everything was quiet and dark and and peaceful in the beautiful lights uh-huh. and i had always thought like oh i like the presents and all and i like the time off school but then it, I, I realized that i love that sort of what what the holidays started as is that sort of a, a light in the darkness in a peaceful time to reflect uh-huh. and uh, when i got married i suddenly went from having one family event on christmas eve to like 67 family events in three days <laughs> followed by calls of like we're still in town do you want to like no good god no five minutes to myself uh Uh, you know and then when you're an adult you don't it's not a christmas break Mm -hmm. i would work and work and work and work and then uh christmas would interrupt my working and i would stop and then i wouldn't get i wouldn't get any of the relaxing yeah out of it uh and when i sort of had that epiphany uh, I wrote a, a thing about it and, and performed it uh, at a show in Minneapolis uh, that the New Standards do. Do you know the New Standards? I don't think so. Um, a lot of cool uh, musicians from from bands uh, formed this sort of uh, jazz trio uh, called the New Standards and do this big show at the Fitzgerald Theater where Prairie Home Companion and Wits is recorded. Uh-huh. Um, and and they have they want like a storytelling piece. So I wrote this thing about the idea of like an adult Santa Claus. Who like comes and gives adults whatever they need to just relax, like a back rub, you know, uh-huh. m- you know, do the dishes, help them with their PowerPoint presentation that they have to give right after the holidays, play Call of Duty with you, whatever it is that's <laughs> going to like relax you. And writing that really helped me process, like, really? okay, I just need at some point that five minutes of like true peace. Yeah, and that was like uh, that was two or three years ago. Okay. Um, and 
my wife and I have worked really hard to make sure that like we have some little bit of time right yeah. around the Christmas days that's just quiet and peaceful and just light a candle and sip some whiskey <laughs> and then like fuck yeah Christmas <laughs> uh huh yeah so what are you going to do you know yet are you going to be uh, spend Christmas here or are I you going to travel don't know don't yet, know yet. Uh, see I just assumed that my family and my wife's family would like demand a return. Yeah, but then we both happened to mention it to our parents, and they both said, "Oh, are you coming back?" Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it wasn't that important to them. So now it's like, hmm, because I have heard beautiful tales of deserted Los Angeles around uh, the holidays. Yeah, I haven't experienced it too much. Last year, well, I was even I was gone for a couple of days last year, but was kind of around. Uh, it was the last. It was kind of the first time I hadn't really done much traveling at all. Okay, and that was. It was real nice because... Right, that's part of your thing. You want to be done with traveling for a while, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mind some. Like, I actually just took a little vacation last week, and it, and I uh, was, you know, going into it, I was, like, kind of excited. To, you know, I've, I've been in one place for a while, and that's <laughs> what I want, but, you know, I miss it here and there. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do it all the time, but I, I like a little trip here and there. I wouldn't mind some travel, and within... 10 minutes of getting at the airport i was just like yep this is why i don't like this <laughs> yeah because the airport turns everyone into the worst human being on earth yes and, and i the think dumbest. i might yeah just choke on the irony of all of the angry hateful people in the airport going to spend <laughs> time with their loved ones <laughs> on this special special holiday yeah that's the that's my only complaint of, on about christmas really is just if I have to do travel, that's been my goal for several years now. Is keep trying to get my family to come out here. Oh, cool! Like I'm cool with family time. Yeah, like, that's totally fine. But I'm over getting uh, getting over there. I've spent several uh, either Christmas Eve or like the day before Christmas Eve overnights at airports because I missed a connection because my first plane was late. And yeah, all that. so I've slept on the floor or tried to sleep on the floor of the Philadelphia airport on the night before christmas eve oh fun (laughs) yeah i don't know i think i might have just made my decision (laughs) i think you might have just (laughs) yeah it's it's rough oh real rough oh yeah i just picturing the hellscape of the airport and then just imagining a little ghost of the baby jesus floating (laughs) above it just weeping at humanity (laughs) because even like making go go out of burbank that makes it so much okay better but Burbank doesn't really, unless you're going to Dallas or Salt Lake City or something. There's like, there's like only a couple of places they even go. Okay, so yeah. you're gonna have a layover, and, and which means I will have a delay. Yeah, <laughs> so that's good to know. It's, there's no winning in that situation. <laughs> Christmas, there's no winning. <laughs> Christmas with travel. <laughs> um, but yeah. So do you have like a uh, a particular Christmas? that stands out to you or anything a big memory be it a present or an experience or uh yeah let's see um (laughs) uh i i remember a christmas uh where my brother and i received uh castle grayskull the he-man right and that was that was kind of big deal um and came with the courtney cox figure (laughs) (laughs) i wish uh (laughs) <laughs> Were there friends action figures? I, I, 
I didn't buy a Courtney Cox. It seems like there's uh, got to be dolls or something. Yeah, uh, and it was and it was a huge thrill to get Castle Grayskull because I had deeply, deeply wanted a Death Star PlayStation, and this is one of my earlier memories of begging for the Death Star, uh, and being told that uh, even Grandma and Santa Claus put together could not afford the Death Star. <laughs> Wait, which was the Death Star playset? The Death Star playset, uh, it's this weird... Um, so it was basically just a tower that kind of opened up, and it had like some weird orange foam to be uh, the junk in the trash oh, compactor. Oh, right, 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 And right. it had like, yes. yeah, a little bridge that I pulled out. I never had that either. Yeah. I it's do kind of a holy grail. That. Yeah. Um, because it had so many parts. Like, I've looked on eBay, too, and there are people who are making like... Just tons of money about, like, I got nothing but the orange foam from the trash compactor. <laughs> I would like $300. <laughs> well, didn't it have the uh, the, the Dianoga or whatever? I had the Dianoga. Called? And thank you for knowing Dianoga. <laughs> I should have known. I didn't have to follow that up with what it was. Yeah, we're good. threw it out there. We're the good. Test, we know on the Dianoga. <laughs> I was scared. I was like, what if I say it wrong? What if I say it wrong? <laughs> uh, what were you saying? Did you uh, so yeah, it? it's it's mainly the the year that we got the Castle Grayskull. It was it was both beautiful and sort of horrible because it was like, hey, wait a minute, this isn't that much more expensive than the Death Star was, and uh-huh. I don't know what changed in my family's fortunes. They can have Castle Grayskull, so I was happy to have <laughs> Castle Grayskull, but it also felt like the the little face on Castle Grayskull was kind of mocking me <laughs> that <laughs> I am not the Death Star. <laughs> It's that mixture of excitement and Christmas time greed. Yeah. <laughs> that pops out my mind. But I, I had a lot of nice family. Like I said, it, Christmas Eve we, is when we would open our presents. So, and oh, it was always one of this, those families. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I, in general, I'm a very uh, nocturnal person. I, you know, mm. so it was cool because it we would open all the presents. We'd eat food. As I got older, we'd have a little sip of wine or whatever. And. Then the next day was just oh this relaxing day off, yeah. Uh, so I think that that those are my happy memories of you know opening mm-hmm. presents and then playing with them the next day. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think I talked about this with somebody else that I think Christmas Day itself is almost like my least favorite part of. Like, yeah. I can, I just kind of like the build up and everything else. Yeah. As long as it's not travel. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Even even like cause I think now it's just sort of like I don't know it's. It is what it is now. But even, like, as a kid, it was super exciting in the morning, obviously. But yeah. then after that, you're like, oh, it's all that buildup's gone now. Yeah. I have some cool stuff now. But <laughs> Yeah. But then I just got to relax. Yeah, there was a year uh, – I played uh, drums in high school. Okay. Uh, and there was a year where my grandmother gave me a cymbal and a roll of cash to buy other drum stuff. <laughs> and I thought, so, this is really rock and roll. Just symbol, one crash cymbal. cymbal. Was the first thing you got. They were actually wrapped together, so like here is a 16-inch crash Zildjian symbol and a roll of cash. I, that's I don't know I've ever heard of that of someone getting a symbol. I can't remember how they wrapped it to disguise that that's what it was. It must have been a pretty big box. Yeah, symbols are and they're not cheap either. Yeah, and they they make noise. <laughs> I'd love it if you didn't. All you bought was a, just the stand then for the – you bought the, a, a stand and some sticks, and you just – that's all you needed. I you think that and a cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I, uh, so did you like, was it enough money to actually go buy a drum set? No, no, not okay. a drum set. <laughs> no, no. I had to, I had to work over okay. the summer to okay. get a real drum set. Yeah. But you're like, I can't just have this cymbal. No, I got it. No, gotta yeah. There. I had these really, my father plays the drums too. And I had this like really old crappy trainer set from uh-huh. the sixties, uh, that were not big at all. So yeah. So the, so I had like much nicer cymbals than drums for a long time. <laughs> drums kind of sound like a whale's dying, but these cymbals are on point. That's amazing. Yeah, I was uh, everyone getting uh some cymbals for for but I I had drums already. Yeah, but I remember like I don't know if you you didn't stick with drums too long. No, I played. I've played on and off for like when I can work it into a show. But okay. yeah, I just went into more comedy direction. Gotcha. Because I just remember like it, always being into music and was always playing drums. But then like when I was in high school, getting uh you know be- befriending a lot of other musicians now, yeah. and like starting to play in bands and playing in different groups in the school and all this stuff. And so I had a lot of friends that were like really big music nerds. Like I liked a lot but it was always like rock music and stuff but then i had the you know the guys who were like actually really into jazz and all this stuff yeah. so like i tried to like hang with that a little more and i started getting more into like the different things you can get and everything and so i remember i think it was for christmas it may have been my birthday but i remember asking one year just because i was like everything that i didn't have was cool so yeah i just wanted all the other stuff and i remember asking for and getting a six inch splash symbol oh wow which six is inch like, too i know that barely emits a sound right uh-huh. it's not a good one <laughs> it just it sounds like a, a sneeze pretty uh-huh. much doesn't it because i i but at the time i was stoked it's you know it's one, for for non-drummers it's kind of one of like the lamest things you can get oh i always wanted a splash symbol and i could afford the splash symbol but i couldn't afford whatever weird stand i needed to attach <laughs> <Right>. it <laughs> and i really couldn't convince other people of its value that if you know when my dumb little band had any money if we we're gonna put anything to it <laughs> i took it a step lamer too because i I bought this little like clip-on tiny symbol stand that would attach to the big symbol stand yeah so I, that's what i put the splash on but i didn't just put that splash on there i had another splash <laughs> so i had like a 10 inch splash and then put a felt there and then i like piggybacked the little six inch splash so upside down would you do a double there. splash on purpose uh i wouldn't do them there i could i have specific recollection of not hitting them at the same time but doing like super like like oh do, too, yeah yeah little... too quickly on the tiny one and, a, and one on the big one so you basically did like a rim shot just on two splash symbols <laughs> <Pretty much>. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah you uh yeah work work that into your your act now oh <laughs> give your, yeah give yourself rim cymbal shots cymbal shots yeah <laughs> yeah I, I try to play the drums whenever i i've managed to work it into a lot of weird comedy bits over the years because uh-huh. i really love doing it but i'm yeah 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 it's not, not the best to travel with though. no no and that <laughs> that bummed me out on drumming real quick real quick it, they're the worst yeah like they're the best and the worst at the same yeah. time yeah yeah, because I, you know, I, I've played a handful of shows in the last year, but it's like you know, it's a completely different thing. Because I'm just playing with guys around town, and and so like I'm 
taking it all there myself and putting it all up myself. Yeah. And I had done that in a long time. And, yeah. Uh, I didn't really miss that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played uh, I played with a group in Minneapolis for like uh, a year or so, and we mostly just rehearsed, and we did two shows, and like, yeah, just even even moving them that much. Mm-hmm. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, just getting them from your house to the car is annoying enough. And then you got to do it again. And yeah. When you're done, do both of those steps again. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, every time, like, I always used to be like, you know, you get in situations where you play a show and, and people would want to share drums. Sometimes, yeah. And like years ago, I'd be like, no, I'm like, I hate that. It sucks. And I want to play mine. I don't want to play yeah. his. And it's just not comfortable. But now I'm like, is there somebody else's drums I can play so I don't <laughs> have to bring mine? I will absolutely mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comedy is the way to go. Yeah. You know, bring anything. Yeah. It's great. I wrote a, a musical in Minneapolis, a rock musical. Uh, and this is about three years ago, partially just so I could put my drums in a theater uh-huh. <laughs> and play them every night for three weeks. <laughs> and it worked out great. Yeah, that's a good move. <laughs> yeah, and so, and we, sorry, you just talking about Comedy Minneapolis. I remembered we have a mutual friend there. Right? Oh, yeah. You, we, you know Nils also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nils was actually uh, in one of our videos back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, he played, we had a, vid- a song called Broken Heart. And the vi- beginning of the video, this guy like get, gets dumped, and then he like literally reaches into his chest and pulls his heart out and like throws it on the <laughs> ground. And then at that point, it, the video like follows the heart, and Nels wore this heart costume and just did all this oh, ridiculous cool. stuff around cool. town. I'll have to go. What song is it? Uh, it's called Broken Heart. Broken Heart. Broken yeah. Heart. I will go. I'll go find that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was video star. Yeah. <laughs> you just know him through the comedy scene back there. Yeah, we met many, many years years ago um i was doing a little bit more improv then and he was in an improv group called drunk baby collective mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah and he did some sketches with us and some improv with us and yeah and then he became a real uh, improv impresario in yeah. the twin cities and is involved in huge theater which is yeah this I, newer I, improv I there to their uh, yeah they had like a big fundraiser a few years ago when it was kind of first starting yeah and yeah and they're doing really well they're selling out night after night and nice. yeah uh couple other butch roy and jill bernard or other improv giants who've done a really good job with huge making it a really cool good place nice yeah i hear he's uh wanting kind of wanting to come out here from what I hear. oh well maybe mm, this is public well, knowledge well. <laughs> the internet's Nels. gonna light up on this news it's warm now <laughs> it's warm come on out <laughs> and it's always christmas <laughs> And I know a guy that has a Castle Grayskull toy <laughs> if you want to come over and play. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming by, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it. absolutely. I know you uh, have a show to go catch. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But, Christmas um, time at Flappers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to uh, promote quickly or anything i know that uh, i know you have your podcast yeah and... i've got a new show uh i've got a podcast called uh obsessed um mm-hmm. and i've got a new show coming up uh that's gonna be a live show and uh hopefully a podcast after we get a couple up and record them all uh the new show is called hot comedy dream time mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a mix of stand-up and sketches and just sort of uh, spontaneous shtick and the main idea is that i'm gonna get guests and ask them what thing they've always wanted to do what role they've always wanted to play and then i'll write that for them so it'll be their sort of dream performance thing. Oh, nice. Whatever they've ever wanted to do. If they want to be in a Western, play a vampire, 
my first guests are uh, Greg Benson from Mediocre Films mm-hmm. and Kim Evie from uh, she was uh, one of the producers of Geek and Sundry in the Guild. Okay. And uh, Kim wants to play uh, a person who appears to be sane but is not. <laughs> so like, who knows what I'll get for dream suggestions? So I'm really excited about that one, and that one's coming up uh, on September 14th in LA. Nice. What's uh what venue? It's at the Complex. Uh, it's a okay, sort of theater yeah. venue on Santa Monica. Right. I don't think I've actually been, but I know of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Very nice. Uh, anything else? I love your action figures. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a Castle Grayskull. Go ahead and rub it in. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. I'll pull some strings. Cool, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Joey Scrims. Didn't call him that. Should have. Wanna. Gonna call him. Let's do this over. Joey Scrims. Thanks for coming by. And I'm sorry I just called you Joey Scrims and then talked about it and then apologized for it. You know what? Take it all back. Take it all back. Guys, it's another ending to another episode. How was that for you? Not happy with that? Neither should you be. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can visit josephscrimshaw.com for more information about him. He's at josephscrimshaw on Twitter. I'm at Tony Thaxton on Twitter. Wanted to remind you guys real quick one more time, if you want to support the show, go to felicenavipod.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then shop like you always would, and that is going to help support the show a little bit. And Rigby thanks you for it, don't you? There's that same bark again. Uh, no shows going on for me at the moment. Uh, keep your uh, ears tuned to Felice Navi Pod for all the latest happenings. Uh, the only thing to let you know is Christmas is December 25th. So that's going to do it for another episode. I have been Tony Thaxton. That's been Rigby. And as always, we wish you a Merry Christmas from the